Well, greetings, everyone. If you're in a leadership role, your level of communication has a big influence on your effectiveness as a leader. The subject of effective messaging and communication is going to be exactly what we're talking about today. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And as was mentioned, we're going to be talking about communication today. My guest is, his name is Brendan Kamarasamy, and um, he is, uh, he has his own uh, podcast show where he helps people understand the idea of effective uh, speaking and communication. And we're going to get into what that means. So, Brendan, welcome to the show, man. Of course, Doug. Pleasure is always mine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you hopping in and, and joining us as is uh, somewhat tradition here. Tell us a little bit about your background before we get into the meat of the subject. Yeah, absolutely, Doug. So, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk. Master Talk is a YouTube channel I started many years ago to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. And how I got started, Doug, was when I was in business school. I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys <laughs> my age were playing rugby or baseball or football, I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students on how to communicate ideas. And then I realized that everything that I was sharing with them wasn't really available for free on the internet. So I just started making YouTube videos and then one thing led to another. And here we are today. Interesting. Interesting. So who got you going on that? Yeah. So for me, it was really business school. So when I was in my first semester of business, I didn't really want to be an entrepreneur or a YouTuber. I wanted to be an executive at a fortune fire company. Because that was the easiest way to get out of poverty, Doug. I didn't really see myself taking any risk in being a business owner. So I had my $100 prom suit that was a bit too oversized. My tie, let's just say, didn't stop at my belt. I didn't really know what I was doing. I thought PricewaterhouseCoopers, which is an accounting firm, was a water bottling company. That's how lost I was when I was in business. <laughs> and I would go to a bunch of these cocktails and ask them, hey, how do you get a job at one of these companies? And what they said surprised me because almost nobody said grades. They all said, oh, you got to do these case competitions. I said, what the heck is that? And they went on to explain that it's a recruiting tool that a lot of big companies like IBM and Deloitte and McKinsey use to recruit the best crop of talent before they graduate from business school and to make sure none of the other companies grab them. And I saw that as my ticket out of poverty, so I took it. So just curious, what was your win-loss record in these competitions? I would lose a lot, actually, because and, and I'll use it as an excuse. A lot of these case competitions are fairly subjective, but it's not like a finite game where, like in football, either one team wins or the other. I would say my track record isn't that great. I probably competed in 50 case competitions, and I probably won like six of them or seven of them. Okay, okay. Well, from what I know of that world, that's not bad. I mean, because like you said, depending on the environment and the and the judging group or, or institute that's doing it, um, could be all over the board. But uh, that's that's really interesting. Well, uh, people that are going to be listening to us on their streaming uh, don't 
see, they, they hear your voice, but obviously you come from another part of the world than perhaps I do. Give us a little bit about your ethnic background. Yeah, for sure, Doug. So I'm born and raised in Montreal. So I'm I'm a Canadian-born citizen, okay. but my parents immigrated from Sri Lanka in the early '90s, okay. which is a small country south of India. So that's it's always interesting as I I meet clients in, on the global stage. You know, the um, clearly the ethnic development has a lot to do with communication, right? Your, your native dialect or your uh, tonal quality, I'll call it, as you speak. Uh, I get accused frequently. I'm a native Texan, and people from other parts of the globe pick up on that. I, I think I do pretty good hiding it, but people tell me, no, I don't. So, uh, And that's okay. But um, you're, you're very well-spoken, Brendan. So uh, how about your upbringing and training in, in just in language skills? Yeah, for sure, Doug. And I appreciate you saying that's very kind of you. And I, I don't notice your Texan accent either, so I'm sure you're doing a great job there. Yeah, you know, what I would say is communication is a lot more objective than people think it is in the sense of a lot. I feel coaches before me haven't really brought a systematic approach to communication. So for me to keep things simple, I call this my easy threes. What are the three easiest exercises that we can practice on a day-to-day -day basis that will immediately spike our communication skills? So let's start with number one. Number one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like master, like talk, like tissue box, like a newspaper, and create random presentations out of thin air on the spot. Why is that important? Because it helps us think on our feet. If you can make sense out of nonsense, Doug, you could make sense out of anything. And doing this exercise just three to five times a day, whether you're in the shower, whether you're doing this with people, your children, for those of you who are listening to this and have children, it just forces you to work on it like a gym, like a muscle. And if you do that just a few times a day, you'll be very comfortable with uncertainty. And that's one way that we train our clients on how to master communication very rapidly. And and what what's the second one? You said there were three things. So Absolutely. I just paused after everyone so I don't monologue for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the second one is question drills. We get asked questions all the time in our life, Doug. Right. On a podcast, at work, prospecting calls, sales calls for business owners, family. But a lot of us are reactive to the questions. Right. We wait for the question to come. I'll give you a fun example. A few years ago when I started guesting on shows, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know you could do this. So somebody asked me a funny question. He said, where does the fear of communication come from? And I obviously wasn't prepared for that one. So I looked at him and I said, huh, Los Angeles, uh, London, maybe it's, uh, <laughs> maybe it's Houston. We'll see. Yeah, so yeah. I, I didn't really know how to answer the question. So how did I fix this moving forward? Every single day for five minutes, that's all I ask. I would write down and answer one question that I thought the world would ask about my expertise. That's it. And if you do that five minutes a day every day, if you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your expertise, Doug, and you'll be absolutely bulletproof. And that's how I've skyrocketed my performance on pod podcasting and sales calls. Nice. I, I like that drill. That's uh, that's very good. And the other thing that comes to my mind about that is is just the the mental exercise of of doing that. I was actually on a coaching, well, I call it a mastermind yesterday, and one of the topics we got into 
was, um, and by the way, this was material provided by the, the great um, and famous Frank, Franklin Covey organization. We were talking about uh, the idea that studies have shown us that we are getting dumbed down with all of the electronics around us, the social media, the ability to swipe left, swipe right, swipe up, swipe down, all that rapid fire stimulation actually has an effect in your brain of operating on a whole nother layer that is not deep thinking, as you can imagine. It's, it's reactionary, but it's not triggering deep thought. And what the gentleman who was speaking described is if we're not careful, our brain actually slowly starts reprogramming itself to, to effectively be dumbed down for that not deep thinking. And the, the point of the discussion was to allocate time during the day to prepare and do some deeper thinking so that your brain stays wired and plugged in for that. So any kind of exercise trying to ponder a question, I think, would classify in that, in that deep thinking realm. Absolutely. And just to build on your point, Doug, I, I would say that what the growth of technology has done, in my, from my perspective, is it's increased the idea of optionality. So I'll give you a simple example here. 20 years ago, you probably know this better than I do, but if you wanted to ask somebody on a date, you just got to ask them. You just got to go in front of them and ask them. Whereas now there's a lot more options versus like you could text them, you could DM them on Instagram, you could go on a dating app. So the optionality creates convenience and the convenience creates a society where human beings opt for the easier thing. Same thing with phone calls. Well, it's just easier to text now, whereas let's say 50 years ago, you don't really have a choice. You just have to call them or get in person with them. So it's the idea of optionality that just makes us practice communication on a less frequent basis. Then these types of exercises, it really helps us force that practice time and get the results we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a, a challenge. So let's go to point number three in your model. What, what's that third point? Absolutely. So number three of my easy threes, and just to set a little bit of context, because I forgot to do that. The reason we call this the easy three, Doug, is because communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is body language. Another one is storytelling, eye contact, smiling, facial expressions, and the list goes on. So if we try and juggle all 18 balls, what happens is they all fall to the ground. That's why if we focus on one of these exercises at a time, we'll get really good at communication really quickly, which brings us to number three. Make a list of the people that you love. So simple, nobody does it. That's it. Make a list of the people that you love the most in your life. They could be clients. They could be family members. And ask ourselves a simple question. When was the last time we sent them a 20-second? That's it a 20 second video message to just say, hey, I really appreciate having you in my life. And the reason this is such an effective extra is one, if you're a business owner, it just makes you more money. That's how I make most of my money. I just send video messages on my client's birthday or holidays, and they just refer more people to me without me asking. So 50% of the business is word of mouth. But beyond just business, it teaches us what communication is for, Doug. Because a lot of us think communication is a chore, like doing the dishes. Oh my God, I got to talk to people. I got to have these conversations. I need to stress less instead of seeing it as a tool for impact, which it is. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it is changing over time, and 
you're absolutely spot on. The advent of technology has definitely impacted. I mean, I'm old enough when I look at the business world and I think about all the means of communication now out there. Uh, I come from a day when we didn't even have fax machines, which is fax is pretty much a thing of the past now, but it was a phenomenal game changer when it first came out. We could um, we could execute contracts and we could share information uh, same day and, and you could get results as opposed to waiting three to five days for the postal delivery to arrive if you had a document you needed to exchange. And, and all of that has just gone exponential. But I do fear, when I, when I think about my own kids and grandkids, I, I do fear the quality of communication is going to suffer because people just aren't used to having to, to make stand and, and make a statement. Absolutely. And, and it really ties into your point around leadership, right? What is leadership at the end of the day? It's so many things, but a big part of it is the willingness and the ability to convey a single idea and vision from a hundred different prisms, right? In the same way that Nike stands for leadership and just doing the thing in the way that Apple stands for innovation and thinking differently. What is our vision and how do we communicate that single idea so many times that people gravitate and follow you? And that's what communication, especially repetitive communication, helps us to do. And that's why Elon Musk still does podcasts. That's why Tony Robbins is still sitting on a podcast and just doing the same message over and over again because they believe so much in their message that they're willing to repeat the same one a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that. I'm I'm coming up on uh, my 100th episode of this particular show, which for me is you know going to be a great, exciting milestone. But but I do find myself in a fashion saying, oh, I've said that a lot. Maybe I need to back off on it. But you know, to your point, not everybody's listened to every episode. So if I don't say it now and it's pertinent to what we're talking about, it's it's going to go lost. So needs needs to get repeated. And, and I do think I, I like your, your thought there because I'm frequently asked among my leadership clients, you know, with this pandemic and remote working, you know, what do I need to be doing differently as a leader to keep my team together, keep performance going? And my go-to answer is, guess what? Communication. Communicate, communicate, communicate. And... I firmly believe, and I've never called myself a futurist, but I'm. this is one topic I'm going to make a prediction on. Years from now, when they start writing the case studies in business school at Harvard and, and Mellon and all these other great places, and they talk about the businesses who made it big during the pandemic or businesses who lost during the pandemic, the common stand-up, stand-out, element is going to be the way leaders communicated while all that was going on. I really believe that. Absolutely. And congratulations on, on the hundredth episode coming up. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's shift gears just a little bit. I, I'm going to pick your brain. I have a teaching when I talk to my leader candidates and clients about communication, I get them to think about the notion that communication is not just a two-way exchange, and that's what I think traditionally everybody talks about. 
I argue that there's four layers of communication that as a leader, you have to be sensitive to layer number one, and I'll run through them real quick. Layer number one is the thought that's coming out of your head, just just the very core of the message, the the little kernel and seed that that builds a message. You you think that thought, you shape your argument, and now you begin to speak it or put it out there, whether it's verbal or written. And 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 that's number two, by the way, your your outputting of that message. How many times have, have we thought to ourselves, oh, that didn't come out the way I was thinking about it? So that's evidence that there is that dynamic between step one and two. Step three is the intake that the recipient has, the, the way they take that message in, and you might lose something in translation. That's another famous phrase we hear about. People say, oh, it was lost in translation. Well, that's not limited to literal language differences, but just in the way it's filtered and comes into the recipient. Layer four is the way the recipient processes it, because they're going to take what they think they heard or saw, and it's going to go through a process, and there might be key words in the message as they heard it that trigger either positive or negative reaction. And as a leader, you need to watch for the signs that A, your message was not received well, got lost in translation, or B, the processing that your recipient did with it has turned it into something you did not want it to be. So that's my take on on the responsibility of being a good communicator when you're in a leader role. What do you think about that? I love that framework, Doug. I would say the only frame I would add to that, but you summarized pretty much all of it, is the idea of how do you pull out the information from the end user, from the stakeholder that you want to impact? Because for me, the definition of communication or public speaking is the same. It's how do you convey an idea to achieve a specific outcome for a specific audience? And that could vary wildly, right? The outcome could be, you know, sell to 100 different people in the room. And the audience could be simply one person convincing them that, hey, Chinese food might be better than Mexican food tonight. So it's all about how do we convey those ideas? To your point, I love that that four-part framework. The other piece to that is what are some questions that we can ask to that stakeholder, that end user, to pull out the information that they're processing in their mind to see what are they actually taking away from the message? Like Example. That. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, no, no worries. So I'll give you a question from Kevin Sistrom, the founder in, uh, of Instagram who's been very successful in his career. And he said this on Tim Ferriss. He said, the question you want to ask people is if you had to remove, if you had to remove one part about my speech, what would you remove and why? This forces negative feedback. That's one that I recommend. Another question is if you were in my shoes, how would you communicate my ideas differently? That's the second one. Third question is who should you introduce me to or who would you introduce me to that you think would bring value or add new nuance to the ideas that I want to share with the world? These three questions alone over dinner with your core audience will help pull out the right insights that you're looking to, which is why my message on podcasts have changed significantly. For example, three years ago when I started guesting, I would just spit all the knowledge I had in my head and no one would take action on it. Instead, through coaching hundreds of people, I realized that there's three exercises that are super easy. Random word exercise, 
video messages and question drills. So people just do those three things. They're going to be happy spending 30, 45 minutes listening to us. So every time on a podcast, I'm always razor focused on making sure those three things are not just held, but done by the end user and I win. I like that a lot. That's a, that's a very good point. And i tell you what, on that note, Brendan, we're going to take a pause for a commercial message here. And um, we got some more stuff to get into when we get back. So hang with us, everybody. We will be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I am your host, Doug Thorpe, and my guest today, Brendan, is helping us understand some powerful ways to become a better communicator. So, Brendan, as you've uh, kind of shared your message, you've got these three great exercises people can do to become a better communicator. What do you tell people who might be hung up on the idea that I need more content, I need more substance in my in my talk or in my message? Um, wh- what do you see going on there? Yeah, absolutely, Doug. You know what I always like to say, what I always like to see rather, is usually most of the time it's the opposite. Usually people have too much content and not enough succinctness in the way that they communicate, but I'm happy to elaborate on both. Please. If... If you don't have enough content, which is fairly rare, I would just ask more questions to the core end user. So the the audience are speaking to. Let me give you a simple example. Let's say you're keynoting to your employees, you're doing town hall meeting, and you're you want to speak for 60 minutes, but you spoke you're speaking for 30. Just go to the audience, at, send them an email and say, Hey, what else would do you guys want to hear from this talk? What are some questions? And I'll just weave them in. So it's very easy to increase the substance of your speech just a simple way the other piece there's like three things the other piece second is if you have too much content which is more commonly a problem when i based on what i've seen is we go back to kevin systrom's general simple principle if you had to remove something what would you remove and why there's so much fluff that i've removed from my podcast appearances so whenever i say answer a question i want to make sure i hit the bullseye every single time and i'm super critical to myself, even if I'm right near the bullseye and I hit just next to it, I'm still not satisfied. So there needs to be a high standard of excellence and degree of feedback from other people in your network who say, you know what, Brendan, the way that you answer that question is a bit too flimsy. You spent too much time on it. How would we tighten it up? And they would give me ideas on how to do that. And then the final piece to that is realizing that it's a journey, not a destination. As you create new thought leadership and you come up with new ways of conveying an idea, you're always going back to zero. So if there's a new question I get asked on a podcast, I need to take that question and have a beginner's mindset with it. How do I answer that one better? And if we have that approach, we'll always be able to deliver exceptional results when we're communicating ideas effectively. I could not agree with you more. I I look at uh, that idea. I love your statement that there's probably too much content that people try to put out there. I'm reminded of a situation. I was engaged talking to uh, an executive leader who happened to be in an engineering role, an engineering company, engineering environment. 
I asked him something that was equivalent to how do you get from A to B? You know, just a simple. He spent about 10 minutes explaining. It, it was the classic, don't tell me how to make the watch. I just asked you what time it was. You know, that kind of that kind of logic. And I sat back and he goes, what's wrong? And I said, here's the deal. I'm going to give you credit right now. If we're going to work together for much longer, I'm going to give you credit right now. You're the smartest guy in this room between the two of us. Okay. That's, that's going to be a given. I said, but I'm going to challenge you. When I ask you a point A to point B kind of question, don't give me all that other stuff. I want to know the straight line between A to B. That's all I want to know. And he thought a minute and he, he actually came back and said, he, he, he grinned and he said, I'm not sure I can do that. And I said, that's our problem. And, and the point was, if you're going to be a leader, you can't confuse the matter. You have to create clarity. And there's a popular saying that says a confused mind says no. Correct. Therefore, if you're talking to a work team and you want them to have clarity on where they're going, you have to provide that clarity. And to your point, asking questions to be sure the clarity is there is one of the biggest challenges that a leader must take on. He can't assume anything about the understanding of the message. 1000%. And a big a big theme that you brought up through your, your share, Doug, which I loved, is the idea of empathy, right? And for me, the way that I define empathy is you're not speaking to the person you are today, you're speaking to the person you used to be. And I feel a lot of CEOs and executives make this mistake all the time, is whenever they're communicating, they're communicating to the person they are right now, not the person who started their career 20 years ago, not the person that was just getting the, their, their feet wet in that position. And when you go back to that person, it'll be a lot easier for you to convey a message. Like to your point, it's it would be easy for both of us to have a super, super advanced conversation around communication, go through the nuances. But guess what? No one's probably going to implement anything instead of just going, okay, what actually matters to someone who's getting started and knows nothing about communication or hasn't really thought about it just yet? Okay, then in that case, it's random word exercise, question drill, video messages, clarity of the message, and we move on from there. Yeah, yeah. So I brought up the question of content being a, a potential challenge that people feel, and I, I love your answer, too much is probably the bigger problem, and therefore you create confusion. So we want to get clarity. What else do you see as a challenge that people have when they come to you and say, I want help with my communication? Absolutely. The, the way that I would say this, Doug, there, there's definitely a bunch of them, but I'd say the main theme is really around the idea of fear. You know, a lot of people think that the biggest challenge with communication is fear. And I actually disagree. I think the biggest challenge with communication is motivation. Because if we don't have a very intrinsic, powerful reason to actually get better at speaking, we won't really do it. So for me, the question is always, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? And the reason this question helps us is because it helps reframe communication from a chore, 
which is what we've grown our whole lives believing it is, to a tool for impact. And it doesn't need to be grandiose like starting a podcast or being on a big stage, speaking to thousands of people. It could simply be being a better mother for your children. It could simply be being a better person for your friends and the people around you or being a better leader at the workplace. But if we're not thinking about that, we won't be able to prioritize this goal. Like everything we share today is pretty easy to implement. Like random word says, okay, you pick three words, give presentations, question drill. Okay, you sit down for five minutes, you write down a question, you answer it, and you send video messages. That's not hard, but there's a reason why people don't do it. And the reason is because they don't make it a priority because the reason, the burning desire to actually work on those things is almost non-existence. That question helps us expand our mind and actually get things done. I'm thinking of the classic thought when when leaders and people in in management roles in particular which is the bulk of the people i talk to you talk about communication that immediately goes to public speaking and public speaking immediately goes to fear anxiety stomach cramps all those things <laughs> why do you think it is that people fear having to stand up and give a message to an audience yeah, I believe the reason for that, Doug, I think it's a powerful question, is it makes sense if you think about it. Where do we learn how to speak in a formal setting? For all of us, whether we live in the US, in Canada, any country around the world, the answer is the same, which is the education system, elementary school, high school, etc. But all of those presentations, Doug, have three fundamental problems. Number one, they're all mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Doug, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody really says that. So that doesn't really work. It's not fun. Like sports is, as an example, for a lot of guys listening to this. That's one. Two, presentations are different. All of them are different. It's never, Doug, what are you excited about presenting? Do you like podcasting? Do you like leadership? Brennan, do you like communication? No, you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. And then next week, you have to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, I don't live in Missouri. So why, why do I have to do that? So we're not picking subjects that we actually care about. That's number two. And you think that's the worst. Number three is the worst. All of the presentations, every single one, Doug, is tied to a punishment. Isn't that crazy? You're 12, 13 years old, and every time you don't do a good job at school, in history, or in French, or in science, not only do you not get a pat on the back, you get a slap in the face. You lose 20 to 25% of your grade. And that happens over and over and over and over again from the ages of eight all the way up to today. So what's the punchline? The punchline is this. We grow up believing that communication is a chore and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. Yeah. Probably a lot of logic to that. And, and there might be a fourth dimension in there. And that is the, the ridicule that you get standing up in front of that group. Nobody is meaner to somebody than a classmate is at school. And even though younger kids don't think about the idea that one day it's going to be me up there, so I need to be nice to this person, there's this automatic dynamic of, of laughing, giggling, making fun of them, and very, very, very negative connotation and enforcement, and that, you know, that gets grained. To this day, my wife tells the story of somewhere in, I don't know, sixth grade, she was, she 
answered a math question wrong sitting at her desk and the teacher made her go to the board and, and work the problem. Well, she had already gotten it wrong at her desk. It wasn't going to change going up there to the board. And it, it, it created a life scar about math for my wife. Wow. And, um, math is just not her thing to this day. And, uh, now, you know, can she function? Sure. She's fine. But, you know, try to measure for drapes or something and we got a problem, you know, <laughs> so you, you're right. I think the education system can really do a lot to, to kind of skew how we're thinking. So do you do work with anybody to, to kind of get them out of that rut of, of having that paralyzing fear about standing up and speaking somewhere? Absolutely. We definitely work with those types of people, Doug. I would say for us, and by the way, thanks for sharing the story around your wife. I think that's super powerful around around the math. I think it really solidifies the idea that the education system is the reason why we were trained to believe these ideas, not really because – because when you're five years old and you give somebody the random word exercise, they just do it. It's only when they're nine or ten years old that something happens, and we don't really, we can't really point a finger to them. So for us, yeah, we we do work with a few of them. It's really people who want the result. Those are usually what we work with, We're kind of like the Navy SEALs of communication training. So you, most of our clients are usually high performing executives. They're usually company CEOs and people who really want to change. Yeah, it it. Um... It is an art, it is a gift, and it is powerful to be able to uh, be that voice expressing vision, mission, purpose, all those things that you typically pack into a, a discussion about leadership. Um, Brendan, do you have any particular uh, kind of case studies of your own that you can share with us about somebody that came to you that was challenged in one way or another about their ideas on communication and what you did for them? Yeah, absolutely, Doug. Happy to share. I would say for me, you know, there, there's two pieces to that. There's the vision and there's the client side of the business. So let's start with the vision. You know, for me, my vision with MassTalk is I think the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. Because when Elon was 13 years old in South Africa, nobody cared about him. Nobody sat him down for 45 minutes and said, hey, buddy, you need to work on your communication. He still made it. He still became successful, but he would have an easier time getting to the finish line with communication. So I thought about the next Elon, who's probably 12, 7, 10 years old. So my overarching mission with Master Talk is how do we create free resources so the world can learn communication, whether they pay for anything or not. So that's one piece. So now the next piece is how do I, how do I fund that vision? And the best way I do that is through coaching clients. So, you know, I've been, I'm super grateful in my career. I've worked with some of those Elon Musks, a handful of them so far this early in the game. So I'm super happy about that. I would say the, the, the work that I'm the most proud of on the coaching side is whenever someone has a revolutionary technology, think PhD scientist, CEO of a company who is very, very sharp uh, from a deep technical perspective, but isn't able to convey the revolutionary invention in a way that a regular super person or rather regular person can understand that message effectively. So just helping them with the pitch and, and watching them raise a bunch of money is, is fun to see for sure. Yeah, uh, that's very good. And, and kudos for your vision on uh, providing a wonderful resource to the world because on, on, until our 
education systems can kind of catch up and 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 factor in the dynamic of helping people with that there there definitely needs to be a another alternative uh, so uh, best wishes to you on on making that happen that's a that's a great uh, great adventure um how do how do people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about your programs, your podcast, and everything? Absolutely, Doug. It's such a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me on the show. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is Master Talk, the YouTube channel. So just go on YouTube.com, type Master Talk, and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way to keep in touch is I do a free training every two weeks over Zoom. This is not a recorded webinar. It's live, it's interactive, and I facilitate the call myself. So if you want to jump in on one of those calls, all you have to do is register for your next one at rockstarcommunicator.com. Okay. We will have those links in the show notes, folks. So uh, do hop over there, take advantage, and take a look. And Brendan, I want to thank you for being on the show, man. This has been fun. I think it's been a very uh, valuable lesson and important topic for people to think about. So um, congratulations on your journey and the direction you're taking everything. Thank you, brother. And thanks for the suggestion as well. I think I have to add that four piece you talked about to my to my logic because <laughs> sure. that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> happy to happy to share. It, uh, it 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 definitely has. As I you know, I came upon it one night. I. I do my deep thinking on a fairly regular basis. I'm one of those guys that doesn't find it hard to go find a quiet place and have a deep thought every now and then. Been doing that my whole life. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it it has definitely helped a lot of my leaders that I work with in, in thinking about how they want to present themselves. So, um, but again, thanks for sharing with us th- your journey and your time. A great message. I want to remind everybody again that I, too, have a YouTube channel for this show. It uh, is over on YouTube by the same name, uh, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. You can hop over there and catch the video library of all the shows we've had, plus a few other little shorts that are out there, some uh, quick fire tips and messages about your own leadership journey and ways to improve that. Um, I, I want to thank everybody for hopping in and spending your day, uh, talking with us here. Uh, if you have a thought, a comment, a question, please do communicate. We'd, we'd love to have you subscribe to the YouTube channel or drop by the website, leave us a comment or a message. Uh, happy to take invites. If, uh, if you're listening and you think you'd be a great guest on the show, feel free to say so. Let me know and, uh, hop in there. So for now, I'm going to say goodbye, wish you a great day, and we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.